Thank you, David. Redemption of sins. Please turn, if you'd like to follow along with us a little bit, you can choose either Matthew chapter 1 or Luke chapter 3, and then you might want to stick your finger in Deuteronomy chapter 28. Matthew 1, Luke 3, Deuteronomy chapter 28. I want to share with you a little bit today about redemption. We talk about redemption a lot. We're here because we are redeemed people, and yet there are some areas of redemption we may not have thought about. I believe that God shares redemption all throughout the Scripture. I don't care whether it's Old Testament or New Testament. Let's talk about genealogy today. Some genealogies uh, contain some interesting tidbits uh, about our ancestors. Most of those are good. If we do find something about somebody, it's usually that they were some great war hero or invented something or owned a wonderful business. But Scripture talks about genealogy with, from the good, the bad, and the ugly. In Matthew chapter 1 and in Luke chapter 3, that contains the genealogy of Jesus. Now, there's a number of reasons for this. The primary reason for this is the fulfillment of prophecy, so that the people of Israel would know that the Christ is the Messiah. He would come from the proper lineage. So the book of Matthew and the book of Luke share that with us. Uh, Matthew takes his lineage to Abraham, Luke, because he is speaking to a different audience, takes his lineage all the way back uh, to Adam. So in ancient cultures, we need to remember now that women were never included in genealogy. They were never included in the lineage of someone. It was always the man. So it's interesting in these passages to find out that God includes five women in the lineage of Jesus Christ. I want to talk about those five women, then we're going to throw in a guy at the end to talk a little bit about the, the redemptive genealogy of Jesus Christ. Now, the first one I want to visit with is, uh, I think I turned that thing off. Not a good sign to get started. But anyway... While the gentlemen are working on that, we're going to talk about the first lady in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. And it's a lady by the name of Tamar. Now, nowhere else do we discuss Tamar except uh, in this passage. And you'll, you'll find her story in Genesis chapter 38. We're not going to, I'm not going to go there and read it to you, but I will share a little bit about uh, her genealogy with, uh, with you. And uh, J, I started to say Jamar, excuse me. Tamar is interesting because she is the wife of Judah. Now, we all know about Judah. You know, there was a whole country inside the country of Israel called the country of Judah. And it was, it was, it was the largest one. And we know Judah was the line of Jesus Christ. Christ was going to come through that lineage. So her story is found in Genesis chapter 38. Tamar was a woman who was uh, who had an unidentified uh, origin. Now, she may have been a Gentile, so she could have been a Jew. She may have well been a Gentile, according to a lot of scholars. But she was the widow of two of Judah's sons. 
And the interesting thing about that is both those sons died. God saw that those two sons died because they were wicked. And so as was the law and the custom of that time, she would be given to the next son in line. You didn't just send send her off to go marry somebody else because we're in the process and in the interest of keeping the bloodlines of the families and the tribes together. So God put together a law, which we'll talk about in a little bit. And so that law would say that she would be given to the third son, which was named Shelah. Well, Judah was afraid to give Tamar to Shelah because... God had killed the other two sons, and he figured, well, maybe something bad will happen to Shelah. So Tamar is in limbo. And so she is the daughter-in-law of Judah, but yet she's in limbo and hasn't yet been given to somebody out of fear. Now, in those days, women not only were not included in genealogy, they were, they were not included in inheritance as well. So for her to continue an inheritance of her own, which would have been from her husband, she has to have a husband and or she has to have children to carry on that legacy so she can survive. We don't understand that today. It's not the way our society works today, but it is the way that things worked back then. So Judah was afraid to give her, and she was hanging out in limbo. Now, the rest of the story gets pretty ugly from here. Tamar decides to take things into her own hands. And so, after the death of Judah's wife, Tamar found out that he was going to go to the city of Timnah, the Philistine city, where that we're familiar with in the story of Samson. He was going to go there to shear sheep. And so she dressed herself up and went to the city gates and uh, appeared as a prostitute in the city gates and waited for her father-in-law, Judah, to come along. And when he came along, sure enough, Judah propositioned this prostitute, not knowing she was his daughter-in-law. In the process, he said, I'll give you a goat. But I don't have one with me, so I'll send my servant back with a goat. She says, just to make sure that I know you'll send me the goat, leave something with me. So he left his shield and a cord and his staff in earnest. So when the servant came back with the goat, she was gone. Tamar had a plan in mind. She had already done something we wouldn't think of in, in setting herself up as a prostitute for her father-in-law, but in her own desire to save her own lineage, she did that and then set Judah up so that all things would work in her favor. She hung on to those items of his that she had given, that he had given to her in pledge. So she took, when she took those matters into her hand, Judah finally uh, found out what was going on and that the prostitute that he had been with was his daughter-in-law, she proved it because she had the items that he had given her. Well, Judah is not innocent in this thing either. Uh, he, he was incriminated as well, but when he saw the items and realized what he had done, he admitted to it. He understood what he had done. He finally admitted to it. And so Judah, in this very strange story, Judah 
had sought a very irresponsible sexual encounter. Wrong. Tamar was seeking to protect her own future, which there's nothing wrong with that, but the way she did it was wrong. And yet, the child she bore in that situation became Perez, his name was Perez, and he carried on the lineage of Jesus Christ. What do we learn from that? Well, as we're going to see through some of these other stories, we're beginning to develop a picture of redemption. She became the wife of Judah, and therefore the lineage of Jesus Christ went through that child. Not one of the other children that were legitimate, but through that child. We're beginning to put together a picture of redemption and how God works with all situations. And in the genealogy, he didn't just make a beautiful picture of all these glorious and wonderful people. And Jesus came as a king through that. Yet Jesus worked with all sorts of people in this genealogy to bring about the savior of the world. All right. The second person in this list is named Rahab. Now, many of us are familiar with Rahab because there's a whole story. We talk, talk to our children about it concerning the taking of Jericho when Joshua and, and Israel were crossing the Jordan and God had commanded them to take all this land. One of the places they went to was with Jordan. And so Joshua sent spies to the city of Jordan and the spies found a prostitute not one who was a good person who who used prostitution to get her will but she was a real a real honest to goodness prostitute her her story is found in Joshua chapter 2 she was living in Jericho and despite her occupation it seemed that she was a woman of some kindness she took in the spies she protected the spies apparently she was providing for her family for her mom and dad and her siblings and she found a way to protect them because she knew that the Israelites were coming she knew about their uh their conquest she knew about their or had heard about their god and how he had led them out of captivity, how he had allowed them to cross the Red Sea, how he had given them victory, how he had, 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 had conquered some of the kings on the east side of Jordan, she knew that her city was in trouble. And so she made a plan to save herself and her family. She hid the spies, she visited with them, and they made a deal uh, that she and her family would not be harmed when this great destruction came. And sure enough, when the great destruction came, she and her family were saved. She apparently married one of the spies that she had helped to hide. They had a son named Boaz, many of us may be familiar with Boaz, who grew up to be a righteous and godly man. Boaz wound up marrying Ruth. Now, part of this sermon was inspired because our small group is studying Ruth today and the idea of a kinsman redeemer. Boaz became her kinsman redeemer, and through their offspring... The lineage of Jesus Christ continued. So as we build the case of redemption, we're beginning to see that we are, that redemption is from something. Redemption is from sin. Redemption is from wrong motives. Redemption is from wrong actions. Redemption is from our own foolishness. 
And yet God steps in because of his mercy and his love, and he redeems. The third lady in this story is Ruth. Now, we're even more familiar with Ruth. There's a book in the Bible by the name of Ruth that tells Ruth's story, and it tells the story of Naomi and Boaz as well. It has the distinction of being the only book in the Bible that does not mention God. But God saw fit for that story to be included in his holy scripture so that we could learn something from it. And the focus of redemption gets sharper and sharper and sharper. Now, Ruth, like Tamar, uh, like uh, 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 Rahab, is also a Gentile. So not only in the lineage of Jesus Christ do we see good, upstanding, uh, faithful followers of the Lord, but we see Gentiles as well. Ruth is a Gentile, and uh, she... Uh, and you find her, you find this particular statement in, in, uh, Ruth chapter 3 and verse 4, where Boaz called her a woman of noble character. So you didn't have to be an Israelite to be a person of noble character. We know the story of Ruth and how her husband died. Her mother-in-law was Naomi. Naomi's husband died. And so Naomi decided to go back to Israel so that she could be with her people and they could take care of her. There was a great drought and a great famine in Israel, and so many people had left, and Naomi and her family had gone to Moab to live. Therefore, her, her sons married Gentiles. They married Moab women. When her husband died and she decided to go back to Israel, Ruth was so faithful to her, she even said, I am so, I am faithful to you, I love you, I will be with you always, and your God will be my God. She, as a Gentile, came with Naomi back to Israel. And through Naomi, she met a fellow by the name of Boaz. Boaz, uh, let me, let, let's, let's, let's take a, uh, excuse me, let's take a little side journey here for a second. Boaz is this fellow that I mentioned earlier who is the kinsman redeemer. He wasn't the first, but he took on that job. So we're going to talk about that in just a second. But remember, the theme of redemption has run through some crazy areas of the lineage of Jesus Christ. What is God telling us? God is telling us, I don't care who you are. I don't care where you're from. I don't care what sins you've committed. I'm here to redeem you. And that redemption is showing up in the lineage of Jesus Christ. Okay, let's look at the fourth gal. I hit the wrong button again. Why, why, there you go. Sorry. Let's look at the fourth, let's look at the fourth lady. We're in competition here. I know. That's okay, Jim. We're in good shape. The fourth lady is Bathsheba. It's also another story that we, we understand. We know the story of Bathsheba. Now, Bathsheba is a Jewish lady. Okay, we're finally back in, back in the nation of Israel here. Bathsheba is a Jewish lady and the wife of one of King David's most treasured military people. His name was Uriah. So while her husband was out fighting wars for King David, the king seduced his wife, Bathsheba. So we're, so we're back into some sexual impurity. We're back into sin again. We're back into things that shouldn't be, okay? So he instigated the adultery. 
It was his fault. And so later, to try to justify what was going on, long story short, he had Bathsheba's husband, his military leader Uriah, put in a special place in battle where he'd be killed, and he died. So in in an attempt to cover up his sin, he committed another sin, and he committed murder. Well, eventually, by the mercy of God, David repented. And God blessed the marriage, and he gave them a son, and that son's name is Solomon. We're studying one of his books in Sunday school today. Bathsheba and and David gave birth to Solomon, and through Solomon, the line of the Messiah continues on. Even through sin, even through wrong, Those people needed redemption as well. And so as we're moving closer and closer to the Messiah, we're building the case that all throughout this, God is looking at redemption to simply keep the line of Jesus Christ alive and well. The fifth lady is perhaps the most famous lady in the Bible, and that is Mary. Mary is a Jew as well. She's an Israelite. Mary is a virgin who is engaged to be married to the carpenter Joseph of Nazareth. She's a devout believer in God, as were many of the folks back then who were not of the aristocratic level of the Jews. And so when the angel came to Mary and told her that she would be pregnant by the Holy Spirit, she believed, Luke chapter 1, verse 35 through 38. And she accepted what was happening to her. She didn't fully understand it, but she accepted it out of faith. She was put in a position of embarrassment. She was put in a very difficult position with her fiance, Joseph. But yet, even in that situation, God showed her redemption. She was not guilty, but God showed redemption even in that situation. And allowed her to become the mother of the person who would redeem her from sin. Mary was one of the most famous people in the Bible. Just a probably a young teenage girl. But yet the lineage of Jesus came through her, a precious young lady, showing redemption all the way through. All right. Let's jump to Boaz. I couldn't find a real picture of Boaz, so guys are not as famous as the ladies, but Boaz. Now, we talked about Boaz a little bit earlier when we visited about Ruth. Boaz, who's, who's was the son, if you remember, of Rahab the harlot. He was a wealthy man who lived in Bethlehem. He was a close relative of Naomi's husband, uh, Elimelech. Well, long story short, when Naomi returned to Bethlehem with her widowed daughter-in-law, Ruth, she sent Ruth to the fields uh, of Boaz to pick and glean barley. This is where Boaz learned that Ruth's deceased uh, that uh, that uh, uh, Naomi's deceased husband, uh, Elimelech, was indeed a relative of him. Now, 
Boaz knew that he was not the first in line to be a redeemer, but yet he undertook the task. Let's take a little side note for a second. We've been talking about redemption, and we've even brought up Boaz as a kinsman redeemer. Deuteronomy chapter 25, I think I said 28 a while ago. Deuteronomy chapter 25, verses 5 through 10, explains very well what the redeemer, uh, a kinsman redeemer, was all about. To maintain the family line in Israel. Remember, God's, God's orders to them was, don't go out and marry the Gentiles. Don't go marry somebody from another country. Stay within the country. It was God's purpose for his people to remain pure in that for the Redeemer to come. Well, his people didn't pay attention to that. We've already seen uh, examples of where they, where they went in different directions and didn't listen to God. So God established to help keep the lineage and to help keep the purity of Israel, God established a law about kinsmen redeemers. Deuteronomy chapter 25. In other words, if a widow, if, if a lady was widowed, she had no rights. She had no land. She had no inheritance. She had nothing. So she needed either children to help with that or she needed uh, a, another husband to help with that. And God said that it would stay in the family. And so a close relative would redeem her, would redeem her land, would redeem her possessions and everything else to maintain the integrity of that family. That's the law of the kinsman redeemer. Boaz found himself in that position. He wasn't the first in line, but the fellow who was first in line, when they talked to him about uh, uh, redeeming Naomi's property and all that went along with it, thought that was pretty good until he realized Ruth came with that package. And he said no. And so it fell to Boaz. Boaz says, I'll take that challenge on. And so not only did he redeem the things of Naomi, he also married Ruth. So he became the kinsman redeemer of his family. Long story short, Boaz was not Naomi's closest relative. That belonged to somebody else. But he took on the challenge. He was willing to do so. As I mentioned uh, before, after they were married, uh, Ruth and Boaz had a son And his name was Obed, O-B-E-D. He became the father of Jesse. And if you remember in the story of the searching uh, for a king to replace Saul, God chose David. David was Jesse's son. So therefore, Boaz and Ruth became the 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 great-grandparents of uh, King David. We can just see all throughout this lineage that not only good people, not only godly people, but also folks with struggles and troubles and problems were in the lineage of Jesus Christ. I'm convinced that the lineage of Jesus Christ is a lineage of redemption. It's a lineage of God saying, "I loving us so much, saying, I will redeem people. I will allow people to be part of my family even if they are awash in their sins. God showed that redemption from the very, very beginning. Well, to end this whole story, all throughout God's 
scriptures, he's been, he has been building toward the redemption of us today. It's easy for us to look at stories about Noah. It's easy for us to look at uh, stories about Lot and his family being redeemed. Abraham and his family are the enslavement of Abraham's family out of Egypt. Uh, Moses, the crossing uh, of the Red Sea. It's easy for us to see those, those simple stories uh, of redemption, but if when we look deeper at the personal stories of struggle and strife and sin, we also see redemption in those. Well, what does that lead me to conclude? God's about redemption. God is about redemption of everyone possible. Because of that, he sent his son. So as we look at this line again, we look at Tamar, possibly a Gentile who was saved redeemed from a life of poverty and abandonment and, be, and, and became part of the lineage of the Redeemer of her soul. Rahab, who was also a Gentile, was saved from the destruction of her city and death and became part of the lineage of the Redeemer of her soul. Ruth, a Gentile, was given life among God's people because of her devotion to her mother-in-law and her faith in her mother-in-law's God and became part of the lineage of the Redeemer of her soul. Bathsheba, a willing and or unwilling adulteress, we don't know, became the mother of the wisest man on earth, King Solomon, and became part of the lineage of the Redeemer of her soul. You see a pattern right here? Mary, a sweet, young, innocent woman from Nazareth, not looking for attention. I can imagine how, 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 how behind the scenes Mary was. Not looking for attention was put in an extremely difficult and embarrassing situation with the community and with her fiancé, and yet was assured of her place in God's story and gave birth to the Redeemer of her soul. Boaz was an innocent bystander, and yet he willfully took his place under the law of God, under his nation, and he became a kinsman redeemer for that family and became the great-grandfather of King David and became part of the lineage of the redeemer of his soul. I'm convinced you can't go any place in Scripture without discovering the story of the redemption of people by their God. It's there everywhere. God's purpose is not punishment. God's purpose is redemption. And it is only by the grace of God that such redemption can touch you and I. As I close... I want to read 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 and 19. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. Redemption has been waiting for the people of the world since the beginning of time. And redemption remains the story of God. It gets very personal from here. 
God wants to redeem you from your way of life. God wants to bring you from the dark side and show you the light of eternal life. God wants to pick you up from whatever you've experienced, whatever you've done willfully or unintentionally. God wants to pick you up, lift you up, and redeem you and make you part of his family. Because of that, the redemptive genealogy of Jesus was put in place so the Redeemer could come and, and take away our sins, and make us part of the family of God. How can we turn that down? If you would respond to the redeeming invitation of Jesus Christ, do so as we stand and sing.